Living the Principles. This podcast is hosted by Latricia Smith and Phyllis G. Williams. Living the Principles seeks to expand mindsets, express beliefs, and edify excellence in hopes of building a stronger Black community. Welcome to Living the Principles. Welcome. I am Latricia, and with me today is my co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Latricia, and hello out there, Difference Makers. Today, we are going to have a discussion about slavery and the effects of it in 2019. We were inspired to do this podcast because of the Project 1619 by New York Times and other major newspapers. So, Latricia, I know we've both done a bit of reading. What were some interesting points that you found when you were doing research about slavery? What I found interesting is the fact that 2019, I guess August commemorates 400 years since slavery began in the British colonies of America. Mm -hmm. And what I found even more interesting in reading this, I guess, you know, when the New York Times had their 1619 project and then USA Today came out with another project called 1619 Searching for Answers. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was interesting that this conversation of slavery has come back. It seems like it's a conversation that comes in and out of focus every now and then, but Mm -hmm. it never stays on the radar. And I'm just wondering if with all of the things that's coming out now, if it's going to stay on the radar. But what I found very interesting is there's a family in Virginia who make claims that two of the people who were on the ship that first arrived in Virginia were recorded. Their names were recorded. I think their names were Isabel and Antony. And they're making claim that they are descendants from these two people. And they had a son named William, who is said to be the first African-American born into slavery. Well, as you were saying that, I was over here side-eyeing. Because how would they know that those people were their descendants? I'm pretty sure they didn't have, well, I'm not pretty sure. I would be surprised if they had a landmark or a proper burial or any extensive documentation. And how would it be traced from 1619 to 2019. Exactly. And I think that begs the question of other people as well. And there was a lady, I don't remember her name. She went back to Angola where this ship originated. And I guess that's why it was called Searching for Answers. They're trying to find out whether or not they're really the descendants. But what she said was until someone or unless someone can prove otherwise that that's their story and they're sticking to it. And I guess it's been passed down through oral history from ancestors. You know, their ancestors, the elders have passed it down, told them these stories. And that's just 
That's what they believe, and that's what they're sticking with unless someone can prove otherwise. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting, especially when you think of the amount of families split apart during those times. So even if you were passing it orally, it may have been in different regions. So are they saying they're from, are they also from Virginia? Yes, they are. They even have a family cemetery or family burial ground there. They have been in that area. I want to say, is is it Hampton, Virginia? Don't quote me on it. But if you want to know, look up (laughs) article USA Today, 1619 Searching for Answers. It's really interesting. That is very interesting. And another thing that I found interesting, they had this little video clip when she went back to Angola and they have a slavery museum there. And one of the things that they were talking about is that the Catholic Church believed that the Africans were descendants of Cain. And somehow I think they tricked them into believing that they would get some type of atonement if they came over to America. They really didn't have a clue what they had coming when they got here. I thought that was interesting, but I also thought that was sad and just another way that black people have been manipulated. That is one method I never heard of, but as you mentioned it, it made me think about another incident I recently learned about the Soto Rebellion that happened, I believe it was South Carolina. The Soto Rebellion, where there were dozens of slaves who rebelled. The Spanish supported them. And the reason the Spanish supported them is because they came to America as Catholics. I didn't think of people coming to America as Christians already. That was never something that I thought was a possibility. But I'm sure there were There were the Christian Crusades and there was colonization before the 1800s. But that was something that I found interesting, too, as it relates to religion. It says, okay, so since we're the same religion, I'm going to support your rebellion. Yeah, that is interesting. Now, Phyllis, I remember when we were having another conversation. I think it was I don't know if it was on our Juneteenth episode or if we were talking about it before or after you were telling me that you had visited St. Augustine, Florida. And I think at that time you were saying slavery had began more than 400 years ago. Yes, it was the Juneteenth episode. And you know what? When I start seeing the year 1619, my memory isn't so good. So I said, oh, maybe I misread that. But that is not the case. When they speak of 1619, they are speaking of more of the English history instead of the Spanish history because Spain controlled Florida for many years. It was also amazing when I went to St. Augustine with my mom about six years ago that every African descendant that came to America before 1700, they weren't enslaved. I remember how that made me feel. It made me it made me feel betrayed as if I've been lied to for so many years. It made me feel pride that some of us came as navigators to help others. We came as engineers and doctors and inventors. And it just really shifted my mind on who we are. St. Augustine is the oldest continually inhabited city in America. So it has a lot of 
historic events. It was founded in 1565. Even during that time before the 1700s, they had documentation showing an interracial marriage. So there's just so much stuff that we don't know. And I remember a few years ago, it may still even be out, there was a TV series about slavery within the recent last three to five years. Was it called Underground? I think there was a show called Underground. I could never bring myself to watch it, but I wonder if they brought new stuff to light about the the enslaved Africans. I also remember my mom and I went to a trip into Savannah. In Savannah, they, the Geechees, they have kept more of their African culture compared to other African Americans in America that were enslaved. Now, if they told me they knew a direct descendant, I will believe it more because they continue to practice storytelling. But I also remember seeing what was sort of like a holding space for the enslaved Africans. And the guy that was our tour guide said that people would, as they were getting on the ships, they would put dirt in their mouth because they wanted to still be a part of Africa. They wanted, they still wanted to be a part of Africa no matter where they went. And you hear stories now about how people would braid things into each other's hair for safety or for running away. So we are learning so much about slavery. So I'm glad the conversation is continuing, even for the reason to just debunk passive, ignorant, less than people working for free. Right. And I think it's so interesting that you talked about how there were Africans who came to the New World even before Christopher Columbus. There were explorations into the New World and maybe they... They weren't able to establish the colonies, but they still came and explored. Although Florida wasn't part of America at the time when slavery was active in Florida, there were still Africans enslaved in this land, although it wasn't the British American colonies. Slavery preexisted 1619 in what we now know as America. Yes. As you were mentioning the explorers before 1619, I thought of a book that I have yet to finish reading, but it's called They Came Before Columbus. You can do a quick Google search and you'll look at the Olmecs, O-L-M-E-C-S, in Mexico, where the statues resemble black people. They have broad nose and the bone structure resemble black people. Also, it's kind of interesting that there are pyramids in Africa and there's pyramids in Mexico. You were mentioning that maybe they didn't have the power to colonize. I once heard this theory, it's an evolutionary theory, that people from more warm tropical places, they wouldn't attempt to colonize because they have the mindset of plenty. However, if you come from a area with rough terrain, not a lot of food, it's cold most of the time, you have to hunt for animals, that that'll become part of your nature where you have to be aggressive, where you have to be dominant to control that area. And it makes sense to me why the African explorers, whether they were from Europe or the continent of Africa, why they wouldn't have been dominant. 
Hmm, that is a good question and something to think about. And I thought about that recently, not dealing with a particular person, but I just thought about as humans. Okay, we just had a hurricane pass, Hurricane Dorian. People are less stressed, less aggressive now that it's passed compared to when it was coming. And I believe it's that mentality of, I need to survive. I think there's a different mentality. I think the difference of a mentality drives different actions. Yeah. And I can only imagine if you were kidnapped and bound and thrown on a ship for this extensive travel for months and months and months on end that you will become physically weak at some point, it would be hard to dominate. Yes, yes, that's a good point also. Now you're too weak to fight. And also, I wish I knew the newspaper, but it is on our Facebook page, Living the Principles Podcast. If you look up our Facebook page, it's on there, where they say the statistics of someone making it to America was less than 25% chance. So let's say 100 people came from Central Africa. They had to march to West Africa. So say 50 died then. Then they have to get on a ship and come to America. And then another 25 die. So that really put things in perspective of the amount of people that were just disregarded. Yeah, yeah. And I believe it's important to continue the conversation for those people who may not have an offspring, to keep the thought of them alive. Yeah, that's very true. It's also sad, you know, when you think about it, it's just a very sad thing. And what makes me the saddest is the fact that this went on for more than two centuries. How in the world did the government allow slavery to go on for nearly 250 years. Mm. Well, the same thing that's happening in 2019 was probably happening in 1919, 1819, 1719, and 1619 when it comes to categorizing people of color. They are less than. We were once viewed as three-fifths human, so someone's three-fifths of a human, would you really feel bad if they died during childbirth or if they tried to run away and you had to beat them and they end up dying? Would you really feel, and I'm not saying you, but how would people feel guilt if they don't see the person as a human? I believe now the tactic is a little different. It may not be the word three-fifths of a human, but over the years it's been terms like super predator, thug, delinquent, mm. and all these words that make people feel, well, those people are different. And it goes also back to, you touched on it earlier, religion. I grew up thinking that we were and by we, I mean black people, cursed. It had something to do with Noah and Ham. They would be cursed for 200 years. I remember being taught that as black people, we were kind of cursed. That can even make you passive as a black person if you feel, well, we're trying to, as you said earlier, atone our sins. Which, if you're a Christian, Jesus already atoned everyone's sin, even if there was a particular tribe or culture that was cursed it's been atoned so i believe religion and seeing people as less than human contributed to overlooking the mistreatment of people of color especially black people 
And the crazy thing about it is how people use the Bible to justify slavery. I don't understand how people know and love God and think it's okay to mistreat people and beat them and do the most heinous things to them. But I do know that if you don't learn your lesson, that history is bound to repeat itself. And although it's not the same chattel slavery system, human trafficking is a form of slavery in America today. It is. It absolutely is. And the channels have changed. It was slavery, then it was Jim Crow, mass incarceration, human trafficking. And I believe that's why the conversation is important to continue. I don't feel as if discussing it means you haven't gotten over it. The elephant has been in a room and we just walk around it or just address a piece of the elephant. But I believe that's why slavery needs to be discussed. So racism, prejudice, implicit bias, and any other negative mentality can be addressed. Because I believe there's still some traits from slavery that is shown in 2019. Exactly. And, and I think that's why the conversation has to still continue. We're still talking about it today because there are still remnants of it today. And people talk about getting over something. This is not something that you get over. It may be something that you get through, but it's nothing that you get over. And we have been free as a people for a less amount of time than enslaved as a people. Mm -hmm. Slavery ended in 1865. It's only 2019. You do the math, that's 154 years. Slavery lasted for over two centuries, so 240-something years, if you use the 1619 date. But if you use dates prior to that, then it's even longer. And not only that, but like you said, post-slavery, you still had segregation. You still had the Jim Crow. You still had major discrimination. We still have major discrimination. So how do we move past it unless we have these conversations and talk about these remnants that still exist? Mm. We have to talk about it. And there's a lady, her name is Alice. She invited me to come to Durham, North Carolina to speak with a group of non-black women. It won't be me alone. It'll be uh, another group of black women. And we will talk about our experiences as a black woman today. I really applaud Alice for doing this because sometimes people really are just ignorant. They are unknowing. For example, I do believe sometimes people make comments about, for example, a monkey. You have to explain to them why that's offensive and why it's hateful and rooted in racism. So I hope that in order to move forward, not that we're obligated, but let me say that I'm not doing this out of obligation because I've never been a white person. So I, I don't know how to help somebody get over racism or become anti-racist. However, we should have more conversations. It doesn't have to be anything formal like a workshop. It can even be phone conversations, going out to dinner, making sure both people feel as if it's a safe place, and also knowing boundaries because that was important to me before I agreed that the person would know boundaries. So that's why it's important to talk about it so we can move forward. And that's how you change the world, by changing yourself. In my opinion, that's how you change the world. So if more people 
visited positive black places, if more black people learned more positive information about black people, it would change how they view themselves. If more non-black people had conversations with black people about their experiences and didn't try to negate it, that would change their lives. So I'm glad on a major level we're talking about it, but we also have to know that we make a difference talking about issues in our everyday lives. Very true. We have to be able and be willing to see things from different perspectives. This election coming up, a lot of these candidates are talking about reparations. And I was listening to something and they were talking about reparations and they were asking different people what their thoughts were about reparations. And someone was saying that none of us alive today experience slavery. So why should we worry about reparations? That is an argument. That is a perspective. To me, it kind of discounts the people who are descendants of the enslaved Africans and even the African-Americans who were born into slavery. And I think when people say that, I think it's important to stop and think about how America benefited and how America became so wealthy as a result of slavery and how some of these very same people their family left this legacy and they passed down this wealth to them that is a direct result of slavery. So while none of us here today experience slavery, there are still some people here today who are benefiting from slavery who don't look like you and I. So this wealth gap that we have is huge. And I think that that's something that needs to be thought about before people make these blanket statements about none of us was here why does slavery still matter and all of these type of things? Because we're still affected by it. And you mentioned the wealth gap. I recall reading an article that stated someone in poverty would have to go years. I'm not sure the exact year. So let's say, let's pretend it's one year. One year without an emergency or an incident. It's nearly impossible. It doesn't matter if you're in the poverty line, middle class, upper class, in the 1%. It's nearly impossible to go a year without a financial hiccup. It may be your car breaks down. It may be your child need braces. It may be your job cuts your hours. I believe if there were reparations, it would help close the gap. And it would also help the economy. Hopefully, we would be able to practice cooperative economics more so effectively if there was reparations. At first, to be honest, I'm a very practical person. And even though it's a hypothetical question concerning reparations, I just always thought, well, what's the possibility of that happening? They have to really find who are descendants because people from black people from other countries have migrated here since then. And two, how would they even be able to find that information if they actually are a descendant of, of a slave or a sharecropper? It would be almost impossible for many people to find that information. I'm glad you said that. And why would it be nearly impossible? Because most of the information wasn't recorded. And all of this to me is a residual of slavery. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's terrible. Like we don't, uh, many of us have no idea of who we really are and where we yes. really come from because there are always roadblocks 
when it comes to research. You're right. It would be very, very difficult to find out who the descendants are. Nonetheless, I don't think that means it's undeserving because since they didn't get paid, maybe we can. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't pay my great, great, great grandma, but you can pay me. That's right. They didn't get paid, but you benefited and became wealthy off of Mm -hmm. the backs of our ancestors. This has been a podcast that required a lot of energy and there's so many more topics that we can or avenues we can discuss in our future podcasts. We have talked about the attitude that continues to weigh in with slavery. However, I think this has been such an energy-filled conversation that we have to have one on just capitalism because we just discussed we just discussed reparations, but I believe we can dive further into that and unpack that as it relates to the wealth gap and the lack of black businesses. All that stuff. Yeah. Inequality all around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a lot to talk about. That's why I'm glad that these conversations have come back into focus. And I know that there are people who just want it to be a thing of the past and just be behind us. But I'm glad the New York Times put forth the effort to put that piece together, whether it's accurate or inaccurate. And the same with the USA Today, because it brings about conversations and it brings about more information because someone who knows something else will bring out something else and there will be more for us to learn. So I'm glad that the information is out there for us to to gather and sort through and come up with our own conclusions and decide where we can go from here. Very true. Moving forward, what are we going to do? So, Latricia, what would be your principal challenge for the listeners today? Principal challenge. Live them out. The principal challenge for today would be to gather your family together and answer this question. What legacy do you want to leave? Hmm. Like you said earlier, we're more than what people have made us out to be. All right. Discover or conclude what your legacy will build for your family. I love that. All right, you guys and girls, open your minds, ears, and heart for our next section. Spread the good news. Not rumors, not rubbish. Living the principles, we spread the good news. In discussing legacy, this first story plays into it perfectly. A plaque was installed in El Pueblo de Los Angeles State Historic Park in the 1950s to honor the families of 44 people, more than half of whom were black, who traveled from Mexico and founded Los Angeles on September 4, 1781. This was news to me because I never knew that black people founded Los Angeles, especially with a name like Los Angeles, Los Angels. (laughs) (laughs) But it just shows the width of the black diaspora. This occurred because of Miriam Matthews, who was California's first black librarian. She advocated for the Pablo Dores that the city install a plaque 
1981. So this is how you continue a legacy, is reaching back and making that legacy in the present. We are going to reach back even further for our second Spread the Good News. In our second mention of Spread the Good News, we're going to connect the past to the present. In Rex, Georgia, you can find a monument of Melvinia Shields Magruder. You may not have heard of Maddie, who was born a slave in South Carolina in 1844, but you have heard of her great, great, great granddaughter, Michelle Obama. Michelle mentioned this once saying that it feels empowering to know that slaves built the White House and now a descendant of a slave is the first lady. This is legacy building. In our next and final highlight of Spread the Good News, it is joining the present in the past again. Fawn Weaver is the owner of a whiskey distillery and an author. She has advocated that Nathan Nearest Green is honored for his contributions in helping Jack Daniels. You may have never heard of Nathan Green, but you've definitely heard of Jack Daniels. She teamed up with the descendants to create a whiskey specifically with his name called Uncle Nears. In addition to that, there will also be a distillery on a 270-acre land. In the theme of sticking with legacy, we normally have three bullet points to spread the good news. Today, we have a surprise for you. Latricia and I would also like to build a legacy. We are going to do this through our website, livingtheprinciples365.com. We'll include t-shirts on our shopping area. These t-shirts encourage you to be bold, not assimilate, and honor your black culture. We will be officially launching September 30th, so check us out. Living the Principles Unlimited. This concludes Spread the Good News. Hey, Latricia, are you making a master plan of your legacy, hearing all that good news? Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we've given them an in-depth conversation about slavery, some financial bits, some attitudes of it, and why it's important to discuss. We've highlighted some great things as it relates to legacy. Do you have a soul snack for the listeners? I do. Our soul snack for today comes from a Kenyan and Zimbabwean proverb. Actually, this proverb comes in many forms throughout Africa, but this particular one says it's from Kenya and Zimbabwe. And it says, until lions start writing down their own stories, the hunters will always be the heroes. Very applicable. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.